All right, we are finishing up our series today, uh, The Secret Place. And, and when we talk about prayer, it's such an important subject. It, it really is the vitality of our relationship with God, this communication piece. We know that any good relationship has good and clear communication. And this is what prayer is for us to be in this constant conversation with God, us speaking to him and then him speaking back to us. And so we don't want to uh, think of prayer as something difficult, hard. It is speaking to the one who loves you the most. And this is how we want to conceptualize prayer so that we don't make it more difficult than it needs to be, that we want to keep these channels open as it relates to prayer. So when we think about prayer, some of the elements of prayer are asking, worship, thanksgiving. We're going to be focusing on that today. Honesty. If you read through the book of Psalms, you will see the psalmists, how they are going through difficult situations and they are pouring out their heart to God. God can handle your honesty. And uh, when we are speaking to him, we need to be honest, lament, listening, stillness, rest, a place of the promises, being present in his presence, alignment, recalibration, correction, persistence, and faith. And all of these are elements of a quality prayer life. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. So the psalmist is personalizing our time with God, the secret place that I would come aside and I would spend time praying to God. We talked the first week about how Jesus said we should have a prayer clause. In other words, that we're not doing the majority of our praying in public um, to try to get attention to ourselves, that we would spend time with God. And that is what's being signified here. And then it's just, you know, God, the most high God, but then he's my refuge and he's my fortress and he's my God and I will trust him. And that's a great way to think about prayer is that I'm having a conversation, not just with a distant God, not just a distant deity, but my father, my savior. And so we can have those intimate conversations with God, that prayer is our dwelling place with God. When Jesus turned over the temples of the money changers, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we in the New Testament, the new covenant, we are the house of God. So we should be a house of prayer. We, um, as constant communication with God. First week, we talked about the protocol of prayer, some technicalities of prayer, how we're supposed to be praying and what we're supposed to be praying. And then in week two, we talked about the spirit of prayer. We went through some prayers um, in the scripture and we wanted to see and to catch the spirit of prayer. Now we should read and pray those prayers directly from the scriptures. If you don't know what those are, you can look at the messages on our YouTube page and understand what those are. But we don't want to turn prayer into a dogma. We don't want to turn prayer into um, some sort of religious thing that I'm doing to somehow impress God. But again, it is good to repeat prayers, but we want to repeat those prayers from our heart. We, we want to understand what we're doing, not just doing these things mindlessly, but realizing again that we are communicating to the one that loves us the most. And then last week was Mother's Day and Nicole just crushed it. Didn't she do a great job last week? Do you think Nicole should preach more? Just make sure you go tell her after the service. Just don't tell her I told you to tell her, okay? Now, 
in the New Testament, there's lots of different types of prayer. We're, we're not necessarily hitting all of the different types of prayer in the New Testament and going through a specific teaching about each one. But there are different and varying rules and instructions for those types of prayer. Again, that's a great study uh, for us to be able to do. In his teaching on prayer, Jesus would say, pray like this. But then he'd also say, don't pray like this. And a lot of times prayer life and the prayers that people pray, they are frustrated and what's happening is we aren't praying the way Jesus has taught us how to pray. We're praying amiss. We're missing the mark with our prayer. And, and you know, as, as I've been talking about, and I don't want you to relegate yourself to this area where my prayers don't get answered, but there are some New Testament reasons why our prayers wouldn't get answered. Some of them are simple, that I'm willfully living a life of sin. That is not a place of answered prayer. Disobedience. That God has shown you something from his word or spoken to you something by his spirit. And then just on purpose, you're going to contravene the word of God. That is not a place of answered prayer. Selfishness. The book of James talks about if we're just asking from a selfish heart, those prayers are not going to get answered. And then lack of faith. Lack of full dependence on God. Really trusting on God. Just mindlessly parroting or saying a prayer. Not really depending or relying on God that that place is a place of unanswered prayer. And so we don't want to remain in that place and we don't have to. We don't have to stay in that place. And here the scripture will give us this great key as it relates to answered prayer. First John chapter five, verse 14 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to the will of God, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. So where does prayer start? Prayer does not start with what I want. Prayer starts with the will of God. And this is why we would pray according to the word of God. What is the scripture telling us about these promises? What is the scripture telling us about my situation, about my relationships, about my employment and my finances and my healing? What are all of these things that are taught in the word of God? And that's how I want to align my prayers, not just what do I feel in this moment? That all effective prayer starts with the word of God, the will of God, not my will. So that's how we want to start our prayers. Such a good, important thing to know. So as we finish off today, we're going to be talking about the prayer of praise. One of my Bible school instructors said that prayer is the highest form of praise, that we are honoring God with our time, that we are worshiping him. Praise just means to honor, to commend to sacrifice. You've heard of the sacrifice of praise. And what's happening when we're praising God, we're setting that time aside for God that we could be doing other things. There's lots of other things that we could, doing, we could be doing in this first part of our services, but the first part of our services is always set aside to praise God, to worship God, to honor God, to remember about his goodness, to sing, to clap, to lift our hands. All of these different things, we are sacrificing praise to God, to extol him, to glorify him, to worship him, and then to give thanks, which we'll talk about at the end of the message today. And praise is always a good option for us. You know, as we are talking about prayer and asking God according to his will, we are praying biblical prayers. And between the time where the end of that prayer, where we say, amen, and the culmination of that prayer, there will be some time. Has anyone ever noticed this? That when we pray a prayer, 
the next second, we don't necessarily see that prayer being answered or the fulfillment of that prayer or the culmination of that promise immediately after. And what should we be doing in that time between the amen and we see the thing that we prayed for according to the will of God? What should we be doing in that space? And a big part of what we should be doing in that space is praising God, worshiping God, thanking God, magnifying him, thanking God that his word is true and that he is faithful to hold ourselves in the presence of God. And I said this week one, just for me, as it relates to praying, just so much of what I do to hold myself in that place of prayer, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I want to maintain that connection and that presence with God. And when we think about praise, ultimately, it's an embodied experience. And it starts in our heart. Jesus had a conversation with a woman at the well in John chapter four, and he talked about that worship is in spirit and in truth. But as it relates to worship, it's not just supposed to stay in our heart. It is supposed to be embodied in our lives, that ultimately our whole lives should be lived in worship. But there's this expression of praise that we see um, what it would look like from the scripture and why we would do these things. And so praise ultimately is going to be expressed in our body. You can't just have praise in your heart alone. You got to do something to let it out. You have to give expression through your body to praise. Now, we praise and worship publicly. This is something that we can do privately. Um, We could obviously spend some time at home and in our car and doing these things. And and we do it here publicly uh, on a Sunday morning in our worship services. I don't recommend you do it in the grocery store. Some people are like, that's going to be a witness. No, it's not. Um, Just like you don't sing your favorite art artist out loud in the grocery store, whoever that might be, you're not singing loud because it's not the appropriate time. And there is an appropriate time to worship God that we would hold ourselves in this, pray, this place of prayer. Now, there's some aspects that we can see in the scripture. We're gonna read some of these verses right now that are elements of this physical expression of praise and what it would look like. And these elements that we would see kneeling, clapping, raising hands, dancing, and singing. And all of these things have um, scriptural uh, descriptions for this is why we do these things when we gather together. Now, again, there's a little bit of a practicality to all of these things. And we're not doing these things to draw attention to ourselves. Can I get an amen? We're doing these things to worship God. Now, depending on how long you've been in church, and I've been in church my whole life, I've got some stories, friends, about people drawing attention to themselves in worship services. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, people are no longer worshiping God. They're looking at you and all that you are doing and all of your expressions. How many of you know that's inappropriate? Or we've missed the mark. If everybody's looking at me when they're supposed to be focusing on Jesus, I've done the wrong thing. I know that there's, because uh, in, in worship, there's stillness, there's quiet. And some of our worship is like that. And then there's times in our worship that there's loud and there's shouting, Right? And don't get it mismatched. When it's time to shout and be loud, shout and be loud. Don't be like, I need a moment of stillness. Shout and loud, be loud with the other people. And then the flip side, when it's quiet worship, it's not time to shout. Because if you shout in the time of stillness, what's going to happen? We're all going to look at you 
we don't want to draw attention to ourselves in the worship service. We've got dancing in the scripture. Now, we, there's a little bit of impracticality too in this room for us to do dancing. When I was growing up, people thought if we did Jewish cultural dancing, that this is going to be extra spiritual. Not necessarily, friends. And we shouldn't be looking to do the latest TikTok dance. We shouldn't be doing the gritty at church. For all you older people, you can ask, go on TikTok later and figure out what that is. <laughs> and there's just really not a, a lot of room, right, for us in our rows to dance. And so what can we do? We can do a little bit of dance, a little flow to the rhythm. <laughs> a little, it's a little practical thing, right? But it's not a good time, not a good moment for me to do full expression of dancing in my row because I got to get it out for the Lord. And now then we're all going to be looking at you, but hey, but you can sway. Now our team up here has a little more room so they can do a little more expression of dance. But let's not draw attention to ourselves. Is everybody with me? <laughs> the rest of you that aren't with me, <clears throat> I'm the leader here at the city church and this is what we're going to do. All right. <laughs> again, just the simple wisdom is we don't want to draw attention to ourselves in worship. Can I get an amen? So there's a, a real practicality. And some of you that would never move in church, just got to give us a little bit of a sway. You can do it next week. You'll have a chance. All right. Let's go to the scripture, shall we? Psalm 33, verse one, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. So this is why we sing at church. Again, we didn't just make this up. We're not just singing in the congregation because we thought it would be a good idea, you know, because there's a whole worship movement, the whole genre. No, like this is a biblical thing that we should sing. Not everybody should sing in the microphone, me included. So thank God. <laughs> We have a team and then it's a melodious and it's on key and, you know, we want to, we want to sing now, but just because you shouldn't sing in the microphone doesn't mean you shouldn't sing our worship team. And I've said this to you many times. Our, our worship team is not worship proxies for you. Nobody can do your worship except you. So when our team is leading us and singing, what should you do? Okay. I need everybody. I need everybody. When our team is leading us and singing, what should you do? You should sing, sing along with the team. Yeah, but I don't like this song. We're not worshiping you. <laughs> sing the song, we're worshiping God. Everybody should sing. Don't have our team up here leading you and you're like, I'm not gonna move my mouth. I have worship in my heart only. No, you don't. You got to let it out. It's got to be an embodied experience. You have to sing. We're going to sing to the Lord. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. And what is praise being equated to in this verse? Singing. That we're going to sing to the Lord. It's right. It's fits for us to worship God. Psalm 47, verse one. To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all the people. I'll shout to God with loud songs of joy. And some of our songs that we sing are like this, right? And we're clapping our hands and we're singing and we're singing loud songs of joy. This is why we do what we do on a Sunday morning when we gather. And you can do these things again at your home and in your car. These are biblical things. They're, they're not just for certain types of churches. 
Are you here today? These are biblical instructions for us. Psalm 104, verse 33, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. I am gonna sing. Someone's not gonna sing on my behalf. Thank God for our worship leaders. But I'm gonna sing along with them and worship God. Psalm 27, six, and now my head shall be lifted up and my enemies all around me and I will offer in the tent, his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I'm gonna make a melody to God. And again, if you can't sing on key, it's still beautiful in God's ears. Because what's happening, you're expressing your heart of praise. Praise emanates from our heart, but then it is embodied with the things that we do, that we're expressing honor and glory to God. Not drawing attention to ourselves, but we're worshiping God. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And doesn't our team do that? As they're leading us in worship, they're also singing and expressing the goodness of God. They're reminding us that last song that we sang, oh, thank God for his mercy. And we got to sing along with them and worship God for the mercy of God. But then that was an expression to it. They're singing to us something about the character and nature of God. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So yes, worship, praise is in your heart, but you have to give voice to it. You have to say something. You have to sing. We're going to express something. We're going to clap like the, the psalmist said. Psalm 134, verse 2. Here's another one. And you'll see maybe different church experience backgrounds and well, certain type of churches do this and other type of churches don't. But here we have a scriptural instruction. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now we grew up in, in various churches and my, my dad was pastoring different types of churches. And some of the churches we were in, people raised their hands and some of the churches we were at, people didn't raise their hands. And I remember my dad went on staff um, at a church when I was about 15 years old and this was the type of church where people, it was more prevalent for them to worship God. And in that moment in my life, I really wanted to give expression to God, to the praise that was in my heart. I wanted to honor him. And I was so nervous about raising my hands in church because some of the other churches I was in, we didn't do that. But I could see from the scripture that raising hands was a big deal. Plus I was a teenager, a little bit self-conscious. And so I was just there in church and what I was thinking, I really want to worship God, but if I raise my hands, two things are going to happen. Everybody's going to look at me and my parents will see me and they will like it too much and then it'll be ruined. (laughs) So one day in church, I just decided amidst amidst all of my nervousness and self-consciousness, you know what, I'm gonna lift my hands and worship God today. With my heart pounding, I just raised my hands. And it was just a great moment for me of just submission and honor to God because there was praise in my heart and I was singing. But here, this other thing, this, this lifting of my hands, this, this surrender, this honor to God. And this, again, if you're new to 
you know, our expression of worship. And again, this is why people raise hands in church. Again, we didn't make it up. It's a scriptural thing for us to do. And then my parents didn't see it, so it was awesome. Psalm 141, verse two. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. In the old covenant, the temple and the tabernacle, they would burn incense constantly as worship to God. But here, the lifting of my hands, it's a sacrifice. I could be doing something else for myself in this moment with my hands, but what am I doing? I'm honoring God, that there's a praise, there's a worship in my heart, but then it's going to be embodied with my life as I sing and as I lift my hands to God. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight, I desire then that every place that men should pray lifting holy hands without anger and quarreling or reasoning and disputing. One translation says, Lamentations three, verse 41 says, we lift our heart and hands toward God in heaven. So this is why we raise our hands in worship. It is, praise is supposed to be expressed through our body as we sing, as we lift our hands, as we move to the melody. We are giving our lives to God. Just an honest, true moment of surrender and gratefulness. God, I give myself to you. I honor you. I praise you. And the reality is, if you haven't done this and you want to do it, no one is going to be staring at you. I mean, if you smack the person beside you, don't do that. They will be looking at you, but no one's going to be looking at you. Why? Because you're worshiping God. And then finally, this, as we finish this series, is that we want to pray with thanksgiving. And a big part of praise is being thankful to God heartfelt gratitude to God expressed in response to his love and mercy. Philippians chapter four, verse four says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. As as we finish the series on prayer, the secret place, every situation we're supposed to be bringing to God. Don't don't keep yourself in a place of, I I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? Everything, that thing, you need to bring that to God. And how are we going to bring it to God? Uh, With supplication, with thanksgiving. So on top of the asking, I'm now thanking God. I'm thanking God that his word is true. I'm thanking God that he hears me. I'm thanking God that he's faithful. I'm thanking God that he's never left me alone. I'm thanking God that I can be in his presence all of the time. So all of the asking I'm doing in alignment with the word of God On top of that, in addition to that, I'm thanking him. 
Psalm 100, verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are all. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That thankfulness holds us in the presence of God. See, there's so much to be thankful for. If we start our day thinking about the things that we can be thankful for, it's just an endless list. We can get up in the morning and be like, thank God for this mattress. Thank you, Lord, for the, the sheets. Thank you, God, that I have a bathroom to walk into, to look into a mirror, to make some adjustments, to bless my friends. Thank God for this breakfast. Thank God for this car. And if I don't thank, have a car, thank God for public transit. Thank God for those roads that we could drive on. Thank God for Canada. Thank God. You just keep thanking God, thanking God. This is a place that we should keep ourselves in. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, again, let's understand what this language is. Give thanks in all circumstances, not give thanks for all circumstances because all of the circumstances that we face in life haven't come from God. Things that are stealing from us and killing us and destroying us, according to John 10, 10, don't come from God. So we're not thanking God for all circumstances, but whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we can thank God. We can recount something to thank God for, even in the midst of the struggle. Because what I just described about any day, about getting up in the morning, could be a good day or it could be a bad day, but our thankfulness can remain the same. The scripture is telling us that we should always be thankful. And the scripture also tells us that we should do all things without complaining. So there's no gap there. We should always be thankful and we shouldn't, we shouldn't complain. We could though get up every day and be like, oh, my mattress is so lumpy. And these sheets, they didn't keep me very warm last night. And I couldn't see in my mirror, so I made a mess of my day. And my car didn't work right, and I had no breakfast. My wife forgot to make me my breakfast, or my husband didn't do what he said he was going to do. And we can just live a life of complaining. But where does that hold us versus thankfulness? Thankfulness holds us in the presence of God. And then our mouth becomes our worst enemy. So you can ruin your whole day with the words that you say. But if we choose to be thankful and grateful in all circumstances, this is the will of God for us. And it's not that God needs us because he's got an ego problem to constantly say thank you to him. It is actually for our benefit that we remain with a heart of gratefulness, keeps us in his presence. Psalm 136, verse one says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. 
Give thanks to the Lord, the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. So what is the psalmist telling us? If we can't think of anything else to be thankful for, his steadfast love endures forever. This is a difficult day, but his steadfast love endures forever. His constant love is with us. But this day and this difficult thing and this this tough choice that I have to make and this struggle in my relationships, but his steadfast love endures forever. I thank you, God, that you are faithful. And that, that thankfulness, that thankful, grateful heart holds you holds me in the presence of God in this place of prayer and this is where we need to dwell in the secret place and again this is regardless of the circumstances as we finish I'm going to read you a story familiar story out of Acts 16 about Paul and Silas how they find themselves in a really bad spot and they find themselves in a bad spot for doing good things And in the middle of this bad spot, instead of complaining and being grumpy, they decide to praise God. Let's read about it here. They cast a demon out of this girl who was sort of a fortune teller. And then the owner of this girl, what tells you something about him, was really mad at Paul and Silas because now his whole business model is out the window. And so he's frustrated with them. In verse 19 of Acts 16, When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack. Now, what had they done? They just set a girl free. They had done something really good. They had done something in accordance to the will of God. And this whole crowd had joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates and ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Could anybody think of something to complain about after this moment? You did something good and they tear your clothes off and then they beat you with rods. It's not a good day after they had severely flogged, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received the orders, he put them in the inner cell, like the worst part of the prison, the darkest part of the prison and fastened their feet in the stock, like old school prison, right? You know, like with the mice and the rats on the ground, your, your legs in chains, no power like we had this morning. In this really dark place. Could you think of a worse circumstance? And the reason they're in this circumstance is that they did something good. Verse 25. About midnight. The darkest part of the day. In the inner cell. With your legs in stalks. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. See, it's easy to worship God and thank God in 
the middle of the good times. It's easy to be excited about the Leafs when they win the first round of the playoffs. But then we find ourselves in the inner prison with no hope. See, it's easy when things are good to be like, praise the Lord. But here, Paul and Silas at midnight in a bad situation. What did they choose? Did they choose to complain? Do you think you could give voice to some good complaints right now? Be like, God, I was just trying to follow your will. And I know your spirit was with me to help me deliver that girl, but now I find myself in this situation. I'm just going to quit and give up. Could he have done that? Sure. That would have been the easy way out. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the struggle, they prayed and sang praises to God, sang hymns. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose (coughs) the jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword as about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped but Paul shouted don't harm yourself we are all here the jailer called for the lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas He then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They made a decision to praise God when it looked bleak. In every circumstance, it is the will of God for us to be thankful. It holds us in his presence. It holds us in the place of answers. It holds us in the place of wisdom. It holds us in the place of his steadfast love. Let's just pray this morning. God, we love you so much. And we are so thankful. We just take a moment to say thank you for our lives and who you are and how you've blessed us and how you've brought us to this point in our lives. And even though we might be facing some circumstances and some situations that are undesirable, we know that you are with us and your steadfast love is always here. So we praise you and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord for family and friends and employment, jobs and career and education and church, your family. We're so thankful for Jesus, the Holy Spirit. God, we just love you so much. And God, we just remind ourselves like the psalmist that you are always faithful. And your steadfast love endures forever. Your steadfast love is enduring. Things are good and when things are bad, we know you are constant with your goodness. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We could, we could spend a lot of time there, but let me encourage you today, later on today, to spend some time. Start listing some things to be thankful for. Because that list can get really long, really fast when you add up all of the small things in our lives. You know, we just read there in this story, this, this jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus. And really that's the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus, believing him, putting our trust in him. Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. And because God did all of that and Jesus accomplished all of that on the cross, we can actually have a relationship with God for ourselves. We don't qualify for a relationship with God based on our own goodness. And we can't create some sort of religious system and then offer that to God and say, God, will you accept me now? You know, God came down in Christ and made a way for us to be in a relationship with him. And all we have to do is say yes, is given to us by his grace. So there's no better time than on a long weekend in May in 2023 to say yes to Jesus if you have never done so. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. And maybe there's, maybe there's somebody else today here. You know, you may be gone through a bunch of stuff. Maybe you identify with some of these circumstances that Paul and Silas find themselves in and life just seems really dark and difficult. And you kind of feel like, you know what? I used to know God, but I kind of feel distant from him this morning. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and pray this prayer. Praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you chose to rededicate your life to Christ today, we want to hear about it. In the seat pocket in front or behind you, you'll find one of these connect cards. We invite you to just fill it out, give us some of your information so we can follow up with you. And if you can please turn that into our info desk, which is located out in the lobby, we would love to connect with you there. If you came to church hoping to have someone pray with you in person, we would love to do that. Some members of our prayer team are going to be up around this stage after service is over and would be happy to pray with you in person today. One more reminder about our date night. If you're married or engaged, that is this Friday. You want to make sure to sign up today, $30 per couple. You can sign up out in the main lobby as well. 
And one more request is we need to move these chairs out of the auditorium today. So if you are willing and able, we would love to have you meet Isabel in the back corner over here to help us move these chairs. The more, the better. So if you're able, we would love to have your help. Awesome. You guys can all stand up. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. We'd love to help have your help with the chairs and make sure to register for date night. You guys are dismissed.